traditional sales teaches you, you know, keep talking, never shut up. Um, you right. start to realize you know, if you do the reverse of that right. and then you begin to see, hey, you know, there's power in just shutting up you know, and <laughs> listening. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. I got Jacob Mann Jones today. He's the Barefoot CEO, a disciple maker, a change agent, a teacher, a builder, and he's the CEO of Sunfuse Solar, and he's an old arch nemesis of mine, actually. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We used to we used to be on the Argenza, or I'm sorry, AT&T U-verse Solar campaign together, and he was one of the uh, top 10 companies that we were competing against constantly for that, you know, second and third spot in the rankings right behind the Mean Machine Sidcore. So that's uh, that's where I know Jacob from, and we've been following each other ever since. Welcome to the show, Jacob. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I think we call those frenemies where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. People you respected, but at the end of the day, you were trying to beat their numbers. It was back in my 20s when it was all about competition instead of you know, competing with the man in the mirror, I was competing with everybody else, right? Yes. So I think I've been down both those roads, competing with the big dog up front and then mm. uh, just trying to outdo myself every day. Yeah, absolutely, brother. So let's go way, way back. And uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like that, but let's go back and uh, tell me where, where did where did it all start for you? Where did the sales game start? Yeah. To, man, I'll, I'll back up a little bit further than that to... Yeah, I was born to teenage parents, Nebraska kid. Um, you know, all along my childhood, just had great people building into me. Mm-hmm. I always like to tell the joke, either I was the you know dumbest kid or the smartest kid in the room because everybody's mom told them, hey, you can do anything or be anything you want to be. I was just the kid that actually believed her. Uh, yeah, it's a, yeah. But I think just like a lot of other teenagers, I mean, man, I – Despite having those good folks, good role models in my life, I, I rebelled. I ran from everything, man. You know, my troubles, hurts, fears, heck, the cops. Uh, yeah, it's a, being a product of teenage parents, I just kind of kept that cycle going. I became a teenage parent myself, had a kiddo at 17, um, you know, decided, hey, I'm going to up, move to Texas, you know, while my zip code changed. Yeah, you know, my heart, my problems, those things didn't. It was you know, a time of a lot of partying, a lot of chaos, uh, sh- you know, chasing shiny objects, you know, shiny women, um, hitting that scene here in Dallas. And, you know, came across, you know, an ad and walked in and said, hey, you know, 18 bucks an hour back in the early 2000s. That was you know, great money. So I said, hey, I'm going to show up. Had no idea what it was. Um, you know, the guy standing in front of the room starts talking about going knocking doors. And, you know, where I'm from, the only guy that ever knocked on the doors were the old Jehovah's Witnesses. So, yeah, you know, my my idea of, you know, what that business, what that industry was, was, you know, absolutely insane. 
Um, so when I sat down with him one-on-one after he gave his group presentation, you know, he asked, Hey, could I do this? And I said, well, you know, sure I can, but I'm not going to. Um, yeah. And then he asked, yeah, looked at the application and says, yeah, well, you know, I've never hired from anybody from Nebraska. So me quick witted, I just shot back at him. Yeah. Hey, yeah, dude, it's cause you never met anybody from Nebraska. Um, you know, he offers me this job on the spot. I go home, you know, thinking there's absolutely no way I'm going to do this. And two days later, somehow I found my rear end in his training class. Uh, you know, so despite saying no, 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 you know, here I am showing up. Um, yeah, heck, one of the best uh, decisions I ever made. Uh, yeah, that was back, you know, here in Texas, you know, energy derake. So, okay. you know, back early 2000s when that just happened. Yeah, that's where I cut my teeth. Um yeah, really, I learned, you know, three big life lessons there. You know, that first one, you know, is an old mathematician, you know, from Descartes. Uh, you know, we're just, it was question everything. Um, you know, that was my learning model that no matter what came at me, I was going to question it right, wrong or indifferent. I wanted to understand the why behind everything I was learning, everything I was doing. Uh, you know, that fed right into my you know, natural curiosity for sure. The second one is an old Soundgarden song to our you know, lyric that I learned from you know, this early mentor was, hey, and it's a leadership principle that's carried me through the years. Just you know, if you didn't or don't lock something up that you want to see fly. To, you know, I love that lyric you know, and what that looks like from a leadership standpoint. You know, just teaching us, as, you know, me as a young leader at that time, to not hold the guys back. And, you know, that really you know, led, led me down that road. And the other one, and I think, you know, you hear this inside and outside of Apex a lot, is be that best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. To an early principle I learned was, man, if I was to shake your hand twice, I want to shake your hand better the second time, even better the third time. You know, each time that I do something, you know, how can it, how can that be my personal best? How can that be? Uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, I spent a couple, you know, years there, you know, kind of learning that game. And then, then, you know, about 2003, uh, you had a guy that, you know, used to work for me on the energy side, go over to, you know, what at that time was SBC or what we know as AT&T, right. uh, to, yeah, I flipped into, you know, a company that was brand new was one of the very first three door-to-door companies you know, on the AT&T side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a little bit different monster way back then. You know, went out the first week, you know, me and the couple guys, you know, knocked out 64 deals. Uh, you know, didn't have turf. You know, we ended up getting paid on three or four of them. You know, oh, what no. we what we what we found out was, yeah, just not everybody could get it because they were in AT&T area, internet wasn't available there. Right. Uh, yeah, so t- tough learning lesson, but yeah, it was a great spent 10 years, uh, you know, with that company. Yeah, just great education. Yeah, we saw it go from absolutely zero sales when we walked in the door to, you know, 25 million annually. And, mm-hmm. you know, so just great growth. You know, got to see, you know, the sales side, the recruiting, training, development, finance. Um, yeah, just big lesson that I learned there in that pit stop, you know, was, 
you know, I call it the heart sheet and the spreadsheet, right? Every business has those two components. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that first, yeah, that first piece you know, is the, that heartbeat, the people. And that's easy to do when you're a brand new or you're a small business because yeah. you got to be all about your people, right? I uh, see what you guys are doing. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's easy to do. And you, you've, you've been through that ringer where you begin to scale. Um, yeah. You, you hope you don't make too many decisions that are only spreadsheet to the detriment of the heartbeat. Right. Uh, you know, but my learning lesson in that 10 years was I got to see both. I got to see a company that was great uh, with people and it, you know, that what not to do, you know, it morphed into, you know, just solely spreadsheet right. where it was, you know, Hey, how do we take money away from the guys down at the field levels to build up this corporate bounty, if you will, mm-hmm. to, you know, it was more of a cautionary tale, I guess, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. um, yeah, 2014, you know, actually went and helped a small dealership down in uh, Florida, helped them grow from, you know, just a couple of times offices to, as you said, you know, one of the top AT&T dealerships in the country. So, you know, it was great, you know, for there. And then, you know, as COVID hit, uh, it kind of wrecked that business, right? You know, we had a couple other things going, whether it was contract changes, some fraud, you know, it's more cautionary tales, right? And and that side of the business Um, really just, you know, depleted that sales force almost overnight Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, disseminated, you know, what, what we were doing there. And then, you know, through COVID, you know, launched into solar. So, you know, that's been, you know, phenomenal. Uh, You know, heck, I I can't believe I spent damn near 20 years on the telecom and energy side to be, yeah, to be honest. So, yeah, loving it. COVID was both, you know, like I said, it was a blessing and a curse. Yeah. It, you know, it hurt the pain points, obviously losing that, that amount of sales force, Mm -hmm. but that blessing there, Doug was, able to, or, you know, really forcing me rather to learn digital lead generation. Okay. So being, a, being able to, you know, Hey, how do we get leads other ways? Uh, you know, it was really no choice, you know, spent a lot of money figuring that thing out. Uh, but now, you know, Hey, we're, we're able to generate leads, you know, whether that's digital uh, through some VAs and call centers, and then obviously the guys on the doors as well. So mm-hmm. it just opened up many different ways to get that business into our business and, you know, get those you know appointments in front of the guys. So, and then really the last 10 months, you know, it's just been a shifting more into growth mode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got a, you know, for sales force here in Dallas, one in out in Northern California and then one down in Florida. So, you know, doing, you know, doing big things there. Uh, but that's, yeah, kind of takes me at least where I am today. So I probably talked too much for you. Yeah. At the time. You're good. There you good. I'm just uh, taking mental notes along the way. So what do you, what do you think kept you in door to door for so long? Cause that sounds like roughly, you know, now we're, we're in, uh, October of 22. So that's, that's a solid 20 years in door to door and you're still in it. So what do you think yeah. kept you in it for so long? Yeah, just keep telling guys, yeah, I've been here a decade and people got to remind me it's now been two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. That's just I, weird, I, isn't it? <laughs> right? It age, ages me, that's for sure. Yeah, not only do I have the grays, I got the battle wounds, I guess. Yeah. The, yeah, I, I think for the most part, uh, you know, I view what we do in my business as a ministry. Okay. And, yeah, it's, yeah, I've got one guiding principle and that, that principle is meet people where they're at, but love them enough not to leave them there. 
to you know that 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 guiding principle you know is really you know transcends the business if you will Absolutely. so yeah you know, so we look at it and say hey how do we help this guy uh you know no matter where he is right maybe mm-hmm. he came out he's never been outside the state of texas heck you know i've had guys that never been outside the city of dallas right and you know you see him get on a you know trip to the caribbean or you know get to travel somewhere and get to help him grow that way right and just expand that mindset and and for me that's what keeps it fresh is you know hey how do we help these guys level up each and every day. And yeah, I'm always yeah, cognizant of that. I've got, you know, one thing I always say, you know, on any call that we have, you know, internally is, yeah, is my hope, right. And prayer for those guys is, yeah, for spending time with me that I left them better than I found them. And yeah, if I can keep pushing that, it, it's almost like not not work. Yeah. You get to show up and you just get to develop and pour into these guys on a daily basis. Yeah. That's massive. Cause it really, it really simplifies it. You know, we all want that story of the guy that came through our company and went on to do these amazing things. But I think, uh, we need to, to not lower expectations, but make it a little simpler. Right. And just leave them better than we found them. You know, cause so many of the people that come into our business are entry level into the workforce, entry level into sales, and so we're teaching them some of the basics that they're going to use for the rest of their lives. And if you, like you said, if you focus on that, then you end up having long, longevity in the business versus a lot of people get burnt out because, you know, I built up this team and, you know, it was 20 people and I made a bunch of money and then it fell apart. And then I built up this team and it was 30 people and I made a bunch of money and it fell apart. You know what I mean? That is, you know, people are calling it the solar coaster now, but that's been the door-to-door coaster for as long as I can remember, you know? Yes. So that's definitely uh, a great way to look at it. And definitely what kept me in the business for so long was all those stories of the guys, you know, would reach back out to me and say, hey, you know, I'm a professional poker player now, and I use some of the tactics that you guys taught me in poker, you know? Or, you know, I started my own uh, sales organization, you know, and we dived into lead gen, and now I've got an agency, you know? Or, you know, I went into ministry, and I'm a full-time pastor now, and um, I relate to people by being empathetic first, and you taught me that, you know. And so it's just like, that's kind of the fuel that keeps you rolling, you know. And then having the ability to have, you know, a legacy-type impact on individuals, you know, that we're, that we're doing now in our, in our older years, you know, <laughs> that we're it's more, it's more than just the opportunity in front of them. It's, it's pouring into them in terms of helping them become good humans in general. Right. And so, you know, we used to be in the same business together, uh, AT&T U-verse, um, you know, more for the, I guess, for the context of the podcast, how do you feel with that particular campaign? You guys differentiated yourselves from the, you know, other dealers in that campaign. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing, you know, we did to differentiate was it was the guys. And, okay. you know, and to go back and tag on a little bit, you know, what you were just talking about, mm-hmm. like a big problem, right? And I not just in the door-to-door game, but the business game mm-hmm. is when folks go and they interview and they're looking to add talent to their organization. Right. Yeah, they're they're looking for, you know, they, they've got this picture Hey, I want this guy here. 
forever. And, you know, they may run across, you know, somebody that, you know, only intends to be there for six months mm-hmm. or heck three months. Um, they don't even add them to the team. And, you know, an approach that I always took was if that guy makes us better for six months, I'm adding him to the, you know, I'm adding right. him to the force. And, you know, I, I say that, like you said, Hey, you know, the, you know, the pastor, I got three guys that came out of my offices that have planted churches and yeah. yeah and that's a phenomenal thing. Right. I, mm-hmm. I used to think, man, I can't develop sales leaders, but I can d- develop pastors. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, nice. I, I'm not quite sure. You know, my bosses at the time enjoyed that. Right. Because I promoted them out of the business. Yeah. Uh, my doc, my doctor today, is actually a guy that worked for me in the early 2000s. Oh, that's fantastic. And yeah, and he said, "Hey, when I was doing my residency, uh, he says, man, all these doctors would run when it was bad news." Mm-hmm. He says, "But I had so much rejection and had so much uh, confidence having a conversation that became easy for me, and it yeah. fast tracked what he was able to do." Uh, yeah, one of my you know, favorite guys is actually a corporate lawyer out of New York City. And he came to me one summer and he, you know, he just says, hey, I want to be a lawyer. I don't even care about sales. Um, you know, he was just so eager to join the team. And so I had to ask him, you know, I said, yeah, no, why? And his response was, well, you guys get objections, right? I said, yeah, all the time. Yeah. He says, well, if I want to be a trial lawyer, I got to get objections. I got to get good at handling those and thinking on my feet. Um, you know, a light bulb came off and said, you know, that's beautiful. So I began to frame right as we recruited sales talent, uh, you know, in that in that direction. Right. Is, hey, uh, how can the skills that we have benefit you, whether you stay here, or you you leave here? And so I think from that aspect, it differentiated us. The, uh, you know, the other uh, you know, is just how I how I've approached sales. Uh, my early mentor, you know, was very big in NLP, so you know, neuro linguistic programming. So yeah. it was kind of you know that basis that I learned to sell from. So I was never a you know, big pressure guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was you know, hey, how do I ask the right questions to get the right emotions that gets them ready to buy? And yeah, and so it was teaching guys really you know how to tell stories and how to ask those questions. And shorten that curve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and for me, you know, that and putting that into a system was always huge. So I think, you know, th- that was always always the special sauce, I would say, uh, because it helped. It, it always helped our sales force, and even today, you know, with minimal turnover, you know, which is just different in the door to door game, as you know. Yeah. yeah, the turnover is crazy. Uh, yeah, we had the same things. You know, people would come take entire sales teams. They would walk right. off. Right. Uh, it happens, right? Yeah. But, you know, but in comparison to you know, the competition or the market, our turnover was relatively small. Um, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with those training systems, with getting guys up to speed faster. Uh mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, you know, any other special sauce, you know, besides that, that, that I could say differentiated us. That makes a lot of sense too. And you get, you, you get more candidates because of the recruiting approach and you're not just breathing, you know, door to door opportunity. You're going to make six figures down their, down their neck. You know, it's, it's like, Hey, this can be a stepping stone for you in your career. And you can learn things here that you'll never learn in college. You'll never learn in medical school. You know what I mean? Or, uh, uh, law school and um, 
you can utilize in the real world, you know, every day. So that's huge. And then the, the second piece of it is the, the NLP. You know, I've never had any formal training or done any training on that, but I do know that all of my presentations were 80% questions and 20% statements, you know. And even then the statements were, had, had the answers to those questions laced throughout the statement. You know, so it was very custom to the, the person that I was selling. And I, and I, always, I always had, uh, you know, anytime, you know, you know Wayne, anytime uh, yep. Wayne and I did a meeting together, I always had him time my qualification and time my presentation. And, and it was the same thing. The qualification would be 80% of my total sales process, and the presentation would be like 20%. And I feel like if, if you do that properly then there, there is rarely objections, and then the objections that they do have, you already pre-qualified overcoming that objection because of the questions that you asked, you know? Yeah, and it's crazy, right? Because, you know, traditional sales teaches you, you know, keep talking, never shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, hey, don't ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Yeah. yeah that, hey, 80% of your, you know, pitch is your presentation. Um, you right. start to realize, yeah, if you do the reverse of that, one, you don't sound like the other thousand or million salespeople that that you know, prospect has ran into. Right. And then you begin to see, hey, you know, there's power in just shutting up you know, and <laughs> listening. Uh, you, you do that and, man, the, 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 that prospect will tell you exactly what, you know, what, what it is you need to do to wrap up that sale. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it sounded like 75% of your career you were in a consultative or like number two type role, right? And so now with Sunfuse Solar, you're in the number one spot, right? Yep. And so I guess my, my question is, and the, the framing for that is, what made you finally make that transition? Yeah, getting over fear. I mean, if I'm just being completely honest yeah, okay. today, it's it was never a lack of belief, you know, in my own ability, you know, or systems that were there. It mm-hmm. was simply, yeah, getting rid of that security blanket. Yeah. And yeah. And, and like I said, you know, coming into COVID, that was both a blessing and a curse, right? There's things that were bad about that and things that were great about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and that forced, you know, forced that hand, you know, to a point. Um, yeah. Never look back. I mean, I guess it was a kick in the ass I needed to take that step, uh, you know, after so many years. Um, yeah. And I think the flip side of that is uh, some, you know, some personality. I think I questioned myself or had some imposter syndrome, you know, in that in that regard where, yeah, not that I wasn't good enough or didn't have the ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'd rather not take the spotlight. I'd rather just get the work done. And yeah, it's a, yeah, that was more of, you know, my disposition to, you know, just kind of questioning, Hey, can I do that? Can I take that step? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And go out there, you know, as I hadn't before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's obviously been trials and tribulations along the way. That's for Absolutely. sure. So, yeah. I, I understand that sentiment too, you know, um, to, to basically be the humble servant, right? Which is, you know, what we're taught to be in in in, in church and in the Bible, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, often what I'll t- what I'll tell people, 
you know, that don't want to post or don't want to tell their story or don't want to brag about wins, whatever the case is. It's like, who are you not inspiring today because you decided to take a back seat? You know, who are you not affecting today? You know, and, and two number ones is better than a number one and a number two. You know what I mean? If, you know, to simply put it right, you can affect more change with uh, two people in two different companies, you know, impacting others, right? And so that's kind of what I've always said in that sense. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, if you're an amazing in, in, in a company, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies that the number 10 guy is doing better than the number one guy at a small company, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so we all understand the uh, being ambitious, right, and wanting to stay with a bigger company or a company that has more things going for it, whatever the case is. Um, but, be, you know, when we get put in trials and tribulations, like you said, in, in this case, COVID, you know, it, it, it sounds like you kind of want to take the bull by the horns and be responsible for your own destiny at that point. So congratulations on that. And you started Sunfuse Solar. And so yep, I did. Uh, you had mentioned kind of two approaches that you took with that. One was digital marketing and then, and then the tried and true method that you know so well, which is door to door. And so how did you, did you just kind of dive into it personally or did you hire an, an expert or what did you do in those terms? How did you kind of approach that? Yeah. So on the, yeah. So on the digital side, yeah, I went out yeah, and learned from an agency, you know, okay. guys that, that did that ran Facebook ads, YouTube ads, mm-hmm. and really just sat and learned every step of the way. And it, it I don't know. It always surprised me that they had so many clients, but they would have these training coaching calls and nobody would jump on. Yeah. And I couldn't fathom how how people would pay all this money and not show up to these calls. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also looked at it as that retainer was high. And the way that I looked at it is I'm not going to do that forever. So I need to get on here. I need to learn and ask the questions so that I can eventually do this myself and then farm that off and train someone else. Let me, let me pause you right there, too, because it, it sounds very familiar, right? So in, instead of this agency saying, hey, we're not, why would we teach our clients how to do this? They said, hey, we'll bring on those clients. They want to learn how to do this. We'll teach them. And we'll know that they're just going to be a part of our company for so long. Sounds very familiar to our model, which was accepting that, you know what I'm saying, and that they would move on someday. But getting the ROI from having them there for six months or whatever the case was, right? And, and being open to that. But what do we know oftentimes happens is you learn the business and or you learn how to do something and you're like, well, I don't want to do this. I'm going to keep letting them do it. <laughs> but in your case, sure. I'm guessing you, you took it on yourself after that? Yeah. So, yeah. So then just made a hire internally, you know, trained them on how to do that so I could okay. offload it. And that wasn't part of me. But just like anything else in business, if I can't do it, I can't train somebody else to do it. They get hit by a truck. Yeah. Uh, God forbid we're in trouble. So, Absolutely. yeah. So being the master in that, then being able to turn around and develop them, you know, has been key as well. Mm-hmm. And it's still, it's an evolving, you know, it's an evolving game. I always say it's a lot like playing poker, right? Mm-hmm. You know, your, your job is to try to beat, you know, the algorithms. Their job is try to get you just as comfortable spending what you're spending, you know, already. So, yeah. So it's always, you know, this give and take. Uh, so yeah, so that, that's been great. Uh, yeah. So, and really, 
you know, that third aspect that we've you know, now added to that is using VAs to using, mm-hmm. you know, these call centers, you know, overseas like to setters. dial. Yeah. Set yeah. for setters. Correct. Uh, setting that. Um, the positive to that is they just been more consistent than the guys on the doors. Yeah. yeah and they, they said they call 45 hours a week and you, know, you get a great return on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's some obviously that, uh, that they can't do. Um, that's the part that I'm learning is, Hey, how do I help them develop? Right. right. Uh, where that's a little bit different. You've got, a culture barrier. You got, you know, more bears than you do that guy sitting kneecap to kneecap with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, you know, but it's been, you know, good so far. And, you know, we're now trying to get all of our setters transitioned into taking the appointments and hopefully kill that part of the business. Yeah. You know, uh, okay. And just go, you know, pulling, you know, social ads and then VAs dialing, mm-hmm. turning those into appointments and go. Okay. So we've got three avenues of, Appointment creation, right? Customer uh, appointment acquisition, legion, however we want to categorize it. And so the way I look at it is I started in solar with the door-to-door model. And then I've been exploring some of the things that you're you're doing right now. And so basically my cost for that setter is roughly, let's just say, 15 to 25 cents per watt, right? And so have you gotten the uh, the overseas VA model dialed into that and then the uh, lead gen digital uh, marketing dialed into that as well? Are you seeing the same type of cost per appointment? I'm sorry, per close. Yeah, I understand you what you're seeing, saying. Yeah, are you seeing the same t- type of cost per close uh, across all models? And then is it you know more work on your closers to close a VA appointment versus a digital? What are you kind of seeing there? Yeah. So, so they each, so they're all profitable. Uh, they, they each have a different margin. Yeah. If you will. So that's the way I kind of look at it is, you know, so that least profitable is going to be the social, you know, any social media ad. Okay. Um, Yeah. And I think the big reason for that is, you know, anytime somebody hits your ad, a gazillion other ads pop up for them, right? So mm-hmm. that algorithm's now playing against you. Right. So you got some guys that are running ads that, man, they just need to get 10 bucks more than what they spend in ads. So they're dropping the mess out of a price. So right. we're going in and trying, you know, to price match more than we'd like. So, yeah, so, yeah I'd love to figure out that and how to get rid of that on the social, you know, mm-hmm. social side, but uh, we haven't yet. And I, you know, that's, so that eats into the margin. So our most profitable right now is actually the VAs. Yeah. Most consistent, most profitable because, you know, again, my cost out the door for that is very minimal, you know, right. per guy. Right. So, you know, if I can run two VAs for every, you know, every closer, if you mm-hmm. will, or sales guy, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it fills up their calendar for the week. And, yeah, that that cost yeah, that I'm paying them is a flat cost. So I don't have to build it into a sale or an appointment or a bill uh, or a, or a sit, you know, what have you. So, yeah, it's a, so it's a yeah. So it's a more consistent across the board keeps that down versus the setter. And that's mm-hmm. where you know, I'd say, hey, I, I'd like to move that setter out. Uh, yeah, because the VAs also, like I know, hey, maybe they won't double their production one week like a setter will. Right. But I know, you know, within you know, 5%, that business is going to stay flat, right? Yeah, what they're going to deliver to me. You can easily scale or reduce that depending on what you need that month, right? Correct. Correct. So when you're in, 
in doing that, are you able to hire or I guess train more closers, you know, incentivize them to get to closer so that you can have more availability for that coming in? Are you able to control the, um, I guess, the leads at which those VA centers are actually calling? Uh, Is that like age leads or are you just using your um, leads that your door knockers created? Because that's kind of what we're doing. We're we're doing a, a combo of both. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so I, I'm blessed in that regard. So I had a guy that, you know, I trained, you know, heck when he was 18 years old, um, you know, he's huge into real estate and, you know, a good, you know, influencer, you know, in that sphere. And he's been using, you know, overseas, these VAs call centers, you know, to dial up just basically just data. So mm-hmm. he purchases the data, turns around, hands it to them. So, you know, so, so I said, Hey, I I'm blessed because, yeah, you know, because I had that connection mm-hmm. um, and kept that relationship. We were able to sit down. I was able to get the data at an unbelievable rate mm-hmm. and then get an unbelievable rate on the VAs. So, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's massive. Caught, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's so and it took the learning curve out because, you know, he already knew, Hey, you know, this, these folks know what they're doing in this aspect. You know, now it's just flipping it to another industry. Absolutely. No, that's great. Well, I could talk about that all day long, <laughs> but in the interest of the podcast and not going an hour and a half, I'll move on to the next next piece of it. All right, so um, I'm 22 years old, just graduated college, just getting into to solar. Maybe I have a marketing degree and I just want that sales piece, right? Um, jumping into solar. What advice do you have for me? Yeah, yeah, to... One, I would say, and I think you, know, you see this across the industry, quit chasing a red line. Uh, you know, so many are just looking, hey, what's the cheapest that I can get it installed for? Mm-hmm. So they're they're going out and they've got, you know, no training. So, they, you know, they're screwing up and, hey, they're, they're learning. I got to give them that, right? Hopefully right. they're learning from that and, you know, failing forward. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because they are chasing that lowest red line or that lowest install rate they can get, yeah, things come with that, right? It doesn't always mean the quality, the follow-up, you know, that time frame, you know, from sale to, you know, account receivable. Right. So, yeah, to yeah, what I would say to anybody, you know, there's get with someone, yeah, that is going to take you under their wing, that is going to show you a systemized approach to learning the business. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we always, you know, tell folks when they come in the door, you know, we're, we're put two tracks out there, Right. You know, we're going to put a track out there where, you know, hey, you can come in, you can learn sales skills. Um, that's it. You know, um, if that's what you want, not a big deal. And then we're going to put another track out there. And that, that track isn't even so much to leadership. That's a component of it. But, you know, hey, how do we help that person go out and launch their own company? And, oh, uh, you know, why, why that was, you know, important to me is it's just life lessons. You know, yeah. I've lost enough people, uh, you know, throughout the years to other companies or to go to launch their own. So, you know, it's putting in, you know, place, hey, how do we do that? Help them put them on a, you know, whether that's a three, five year plan, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, and then learn the back end of the business, you know, learn the finance side, the marketing side, you know, the branding side, learn all that. And then parlay that into, you know, hey, uh, you know, depending on what you put in for your startup, you know, just take, you know, being a small partner in that business right. yeah. to, uh, you know, helping them achieve their dreams. 
Yeah. And so it's one of those two tracks, you know, that we put folks on. Um, you know, what, what we found is, you know, Hey, obviously everybody's attracted to that second track, sure. uh, but not everybody is going to have the work ethic to follow that track. Um, yeah. The good Lord will split them out. Um, yeah. Put them in the bucket they're supposed to be in. That's yeah. You've got, at least a, my thing. you've got a bucket for both of them, which is important, Correct. especially yeah. in a recruiting aspect. Uh, they see that, that opportunity structure, you know, is what I call it. And I remember, man, it must've been back in 15 where I set up a dealer partner structure to where, you know, my guys could transition to become dealer partners, start their own marketing companies, LLCs. Uh, at the time I didn't realize I was setting up, you know, a huge tax shelter for them, which mm-hmm. most of them didn't take advantage of, you know, but now I know that. Right. And so, um, I, absolutely believe in that structure and that you should have that within your company somewhere. Cause there are those people that are going to scale to it and, um, are going to want to have their name on the door, you know what I'm saying? And that's more important to them than whatever opportunity you could give them. And so you want to be able to retain those people in some sense too, which you may just be at the back office for them and then they can go and scale their sales teams, you know, which is fantastic and, and also very stable, right? You're not, you know, you're not doing the recruiting and the training and you know what I mean? The headaches of all that you're just operating the back office, which I think uh, you and I are more analytical, more integrator type set up for. Right. And so um, that's a great model there. So, you know, wrapping up the, the podcast here and kind of asking the, the pointing question, you know, so you've got the opportunity structure, you've got the recruiting approach, you know, as well as the marketing approach. So what do you think is left after all those things that makes a sales team great? Are you asking for us as a company or yeah, sales teams in particular? Just in yeah, general. Yeah. You know, let's just say you're consulting a company and you know they have those three things that I just mentioned. What do you think that they're going to be missing that's going to make them great? Yeah, I think it's always going to boil down to culture. Yeah. And yeah, just understand for anybody listening is people don't quit companies. They quit people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it is really, yeah. Hey, what is your culture? Yeah. What are those core values that you have as an organization, as a company that, yeah, Hey, we're going to live, live by, die by. Yeah. It's our every breath. Right. And you, you got to have that. And so many people, you know, they go in, they you know, will pull out some fancy core value from somewhere, somewhere else. And the, the problem becomes is it's not theirs. Right. right? And it, you, know, you don't really have a culture. You tried to borrow somebody else's culture. You know, I've got a great you know, mentor of mine that you know, is 80, 83 years young. But, you know, he's famously telling people, you know, like, hey, you, know, you open up your Bible. What would you get? And. You know, folks will say, hey, my pastor said this or, you know, I learned this. And his you know, comment always to them is, you know, you don't get to play with other people's treasure. Yeah. When you open that up, you've got to go digging for your own treasure. Um, you know, those core values you know, in a business work the same. Right. They can't just be fancy words on the wall. Yeah. You know, it has to be, hey, I'm going to live by them, breathe, you know, breathe them daily yeah we're gonna die from them yeah mm-hmm. whether hey it puts us under or it propels us forward right. this is who we are and yeah i think that's that's lost on you know a lot of you know sales orgs and companies yeah no i 
could be more right. The, the the problem is is like you said they they do they take it from somewhere else something else they heard instead of looking within themselves and saying hey what are my core values because if I if I only give you the things that I feel like I value and I'm great at then I'm already living them that makes sense and yep. that way I, I don't have to work towards that core value I am living it now and it's important to me now that doesn't mean that there's other core values I don't want to work towards but until I am living them they don't need to be on my wall, 100%. So you heard it from the man himself, and I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing this, but it's the truth. It all comes down to core values, you know. And every, you know, guest that we have, every other guest, whatever the case is, that it typically comes down to that, you know, whatever problem that you have in your business, you may be having a core value issue and not necessarily a motivation or a sales issue or whatever the case is. So always look at that. So just to, to wrap it up, and I think you've listened to a few episodes, so you probably know what's coming. Um, what does legacy mean to you, and what legacy will you leave behind? Yeah, to, I'll tag back to you know, what I said earlier. Yeah, legacy for me is, is meeting people where they're at and love them enough not to leave them there. Uh, what that looks like or next steps, yeah, uh, for us, yeah, I look at that. Yeah, as a business, as a ministry, and my marriage as a as a parent, you know, mm-hmm. all the way along the line. To yeah, that that legacy or what's near and dear to me, yeah. Again, I you know, I'm a product of the inner city. I've got a you know tenth grade education. So I guess I'm some type of story that yeah, you you can get it done despite you know, where you came from. Mm-hmm. And the beauty, yeah, you know, the beauty that I did have, you know, a lot of folks pour into me. And the you know, biggest thing on my bucket list is a youth center inside, you know, the inner city. Okay. And so, you know, we're putting, you know, money from the business away uh, to, you know, build that out and, you know, offer, you know, a bunch of different services to, frankly, the underserviced or the forgotten, you know, folks right where we are. I know, you know, hey, some folks like to go way overseas to go do a mission trip, mm-hmm. but, you know, oftentimes that's right in front of you. And, you know, I'm, you know, I just have always felt compelled to give back uh, to, to that because, you know, I, I didn't never see it at the time, but, you know, those folks did have a hand here or a hand here and it did, you know, impact who I am today. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. At least on my, on my bucket list there that would lead towards legacy. I love that. That's going to be massive for you guys. And I love that you're taking action towards it and not just talking about it. And that action is putting that money aside, you know, and every time that you do that, you're showing faith and that faith is going to be rewarded. So, um, great answer (laughs) in short, that's a great answer. So Jacob, if uh, any of the listeners want to reach out to you, want to learn more about your marketing processes, your way of life or the legacy that you want to leave, where do they reach out to you at? Yeah, so they, they can reach out. Yeah, it's Jacob Man Jones. That's two ends. Uh, yeah, it's my great grandparents' last name, so I got to carry that on on all social channels. So, you know, happy to just dive in, give value where I can, help out. You know, folks got a question, happy to take time to answer it. No, I appreciate that. So there's, you know, a historic man family out of Texas, and hmm. uh, on my grandma's side are are the Mans. And they're actually descendants of Stephen F. Austin. So I don't know okay. if there's any relation there, but you and I may have some some ancestors that are related. Who knows? So 
Um, so if you can you can trace it back, I can tell you. So there were you know two mans that came into the you know, country originally, mm-hmm. one up in New England and then one up through Virginia. So I was yeah like to joke yeah all my kids they get uh, one free A in history because the very first uh, statue of a woman in the United States is actually yeah uh, they're related to them. So they nice. get that you know free A in history class one time. <laughs> Or, you know, for some of the kids, multiple times, you know, as they go from teacher to teacher. Right. And, you know, but, uh, yeah, Peter Mann was the very first man on my side that came in, you know, through up through New Hampshire. And he brought uh, John Harvard to the United States. So, yeah, I guess Harvard you know, University wouldn't exist if we didn't get him here safely. Uh, yeah, our, our ancestor nav- navigated the Rocky Seas to get him here. So, wow. Shameless plug. Maybe they'll give one of my kids a free scholarship. So. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm at right now because uh, we have uh, the Daughters of the Republic in Texas, and um, if you can prove your lineage, and you can your uh, your daughter can become a daughter of the Republic, it pays for like I think sixty or seventy percent of their college tuition, and as that's long awesome. as it's a Texas college. So we're working on that too as well. So. Got a little sidetracked here, but <laughs> you guys know what to do if you want to reach out to uh, Jacob. And I uh, just want to say it was an honor having you on the show. Love what you talked about. Makes makes a lot of sense. I think we align on those things, which is why we've been connecting back and forth on, on social media. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Let's get building. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts and subscribe so you're notified when we release new content. Great sales teams aren't recruited. They are built brick by brick. Let's get building.